Linda King. I love travel. Uh, anybody who's been listening knows I, I went to Italy when I was 10 years old by myself. Uh, I, I love to travel. I think there's, I'm not going to say no better education, but it's a great education. Uh, Linda King is from Melbourne, Australia. She is the travelista. She's written six books, great, great travel blog. She has, it's just wonderful insight on travel. We talk about you know, being the difference between a tourist and a traveler, what to do with certain countries, what things to look out for, experiences that she has, how to deal with currency, how to deal with culture. We know that some cultures are very uh, kind of uh, forgiving and some are a little bit more strict in things that they they uh, believe and enforce. Uh, it's a great conversation about travel. I, I never get sick of it. I think everybody should travel. They should travel abroad. Uh, many Americans do. Uh, I think it's just a wonderful way just to see how others can live and live happily. Uh, great conversation with uh, Linda King. Really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Two, one, Linda King, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you doing this. What's the difference between a tourist and a traveler? Um, well, I think a tourist is someone that's probably a bit of a novice, so they haven't done travel too much. I think a traveller is probably a little bit more experienced in the ways of travel. And I think, um, but, you know, both a tourist and a traveller can get themselves into situations which I haven't come across before. So I think that's the, the leveller probably when things go wrong. But, um, yeah, that, that would be what I would say would be the difference. And when when someone goes, when they travel to another country, I know you've spent a lot of time, I think, I know you speak Italian because you've been there for so long. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Um, and when they, <laughs> buongiorno. When they go there, uh, to any country for that matter, how much of the culture should they should they soak in to really appreciate the the sense of the people and the the location and the atmosphere? Um, I think it really depends on how long someone's there. So, 
I don't know, you could try your best to soak up someone's culture in maybe five days, but it normally takes a little bit long, more longer to to sort of get the way of the way of life and all that sort of thing. So it just depends. If you've done a lot of prep before you go there and you've already already know a bit more, then maybe you'll be a bit more receptive to what what you experience when you're there. Um, but I think the more time you're in a place, the more layers you build, the more understanding you've got of the people and also of the culture. Yeah, prep is really important. I know the the World Cup was just in in Qatar. Mm. And, you know, I have many friends who are, you know, big football, soccer fans wanted to go, but they were, they were afraid, they were concerned that maybe they didn't understand something of the culture and they would, you know, be misinterpreted and they could be sentenced, they could be punished, etc. So that, that kind of prep is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're going to the Middle East, because their, their culture is very different to anything right. that we would experience. So, yeah, um, I've been to the Middle East and yeah you definitely need to go okay what can I and what can't I do especially when there's like Ramadan when Ramadan there's very strict rules around that so if you go into that without really doing your prep then you can get yourself into all sorts of trouble. That's fascinating because in, in, in Ramadan they they fast from sunrise to sunset. Yes and us Westerners will go into like a, a food area at lunchtime. We might be out shopping. They have big black curtains because they don't want the locals to see everyone eat. Um, so you go through a black curtain normally. And then, and, and also something that we all do, which is sort of common um, practice, is we have our bottle of water with us and we drink it. You can't do that either. So, I, you know, you've got to be really careful. Right. It's not just the eating, it's also the drinking. Very, very interesting. I coach, you know, I used to coach my daughters in soccer and um, we were running some practices as kind of preseason. And this one, you know, girl said, can I take a break? I said, sure, go ahead, take a break. And, you know, later we found out we didn't even know she was participating in Ramadan. Her parents told us. And I said, I wish we would have known. She, she, she's been fasting. Oh my, you know, we, oh my goodness, we would have pulled her aside mm. and she can't have any water. I just, uh, but you know, they're so nice, you know, so nice. And just, uh, you know, that was a mistake on our part for, for, for not knowing that I, I am, that's very interesting. And I also know just generally, we talked about, you know, Italy, just how different they Oh my goodness, how they eat, mm. you know, the, the idea of having a coffee cup in your car, a coffee holder in your car, you know, it's just an abomination to them. You should be sitting in a cafe drinking coffee, not when you're on your way to work or anything. And it's just the complete opposite here. Yeah. Yeah. They laugh at us. I think when we go over there, some of the, the practices that we do, which are not really, as far as they're concerned, not appropriate. Um, I think the big one with the pizza, they don't like pineapple on the pizza. They go, what? <laughs> pineapple? Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it makes travel entertaining, I, I would say, because you're learning about different people and the way that they live. And it makes you more informed, really. Um, you know, you can mould yourself to whatever you need to, with depending on the country that you're in.
Yeah, it's true. I'm not a fan of the pineapple on the pizza too, but I know how many people are. And uh, yeah, they're they're very they're very different there. In the, their culinary taste is so different. Mm. My father is from near Naples. Mm. When you traveled Italy, did you travel the whole coast, the whole north and yeah, south? Yeah, so I went to Naples, um, Amalfi, how, and yeah. Pompeii. You've got to go to Pompeii. I go there. You know, every few years you, you discover they've uncovered some more of Pompeii. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, down the north and south, fantastic country, so much diversity and so much to see. Very. The north and south are very different. Yes, yes, I think north is probably more like our big city. So if you think of Australia, Sydney's like the big city, and where you know it's a little bit more serious. I think further south you get it; they're a little bit more relaxed. Um, so it's like any big city, London, New York. Yeah. I think, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I, li- I like that term. That, yeah. Yeah, I like that term, relax. I, t- I tell you a, a, a quick story. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my relatives are from south of Naples and you know, I had a, I used to go there as a child and my cousins are 12 and 14 and 16 and they were working for the town. I don't know what that means working, but mm. they were doing some kind of work. And I remember it was Monday and they weren't working. And I asked them, why aren't you working? And they said, it's raining. We don't work outside when it's raining. I said, okay. It was Tuesday. It was raining again. They didn't work. Wednesday, it wasn't raining. And I asked them, why aren't you working today? And they say, oh, you never start the week on a Wednesday. Oh. So that was kind of their attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of their attitude. Very, very different. Very different. Yep. Sounds like they make their own rules. But as long, uh, absolutely. As, long as everyone abides by the rules, I suppose this is no problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you have a fascinating background in that you were a, you were a banker and then a travel agent. And then turned into this, of course, now you're the, you know, you're, you're who you are, this, this, you know, you're the travelista. Um, talk to me about that transition. So um, I got into travel because I've been traveling since I was quite small. Um, and what happened was I left, I was living in Sydney. So I'm originally from Sydney and then came to Melbourne. And so I was a travel agent, worked for an airline. And then there was none of those jobs down here. So when I came to Melbourne, I thought, well, let's try something different. So I went into the banking. Um, and as it turned out, I'm back into travel again. So I've just sort of closed the circle. Um, but travel's always been in my blood. Um, and the Smart Travelista really was created from conversations that I'd had with other travellers. I was giving them a, re- a real lot of good travel tips because we'd get into conversations. And this lady said to me, have you got a website? Have you got a blog? Because I'd absolutely sign up for it. And then I thought to myself, I've got none of that. Um, And then I thought about all these tips, people had always Mm. been asking me about them. And I thought I've got to record them somewhere. So that's when I also wrote the books. Um, So yeah, so for me, I love saving money as most people do. And I love travel. So I thought it was just a, a brilliant combination to combine the two.
It's an excellent blog. You've got six books. I mean, you're, you're very modest. You're, uh, you, you do a great job in sharing some of your recent blogs about, you know, best, you know, websites for, for flights, for booking. I mean, you kind of really, you know, help, help those travelers. Is there, it has the travel agent, is it necessary? Is it ever a good time to use that? Are they still around? So it depends really, Joe, with the travel agents, your circumstances. So you might be time poor and you just don't have time to do any of that research and, and prep. So going to a travel agent's perfect. You're paying for their expertise. They do all the planning. They do all the, the admin for you. If you if you have got the time and you've got the confidence to be able to go and do that searching for your flights, for your visas, for your accommodation, your touring and all that sort of stuff, then absolutely. I think it's an individual thing. Some people are a little bit scared about doing it because they go, oh, you know, I don't know about the time zones. I might get the flights wrong and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a place for both. I don't think travel agents are as prominent as they used to be. I think back in the day that you couldn't do anything other than go to a travel agent. Mm. But now I think you've got the choice. And, and it's just really um, right. about whether you've got that confidence and also whether you want to do it. So if you want to do it, absolutely. Um, I've got a lot of books and resources on my website that give people tips on how to do that. So, um, But it, it's the individual choice, really. As a nation, does do Australians travel than any other? Oh, travel is like it's like our second name. We absolutely love traveling, and I think it goes back to the fact that when we're young, so when we leave school, we have sort of you know the gap year. People love we sort of before you start your job, you go and travel, and a lot of young people take that to the a far extreme. So they'll go, okay, I'm going to go backpacking. And I'm going to go for like six months. So instead of like a month. But I think because we're so far away from everywhere, we just want to travel. We just want to see people in Europe. We just want to go to America. Yeah, I think it's in our blood. And mm. I think it's part of our culture, really, that we travel. So, um, you know, as a child, with my parents taking us around Australia, we were all going to, always going to travel because it's something that everyone does here. Um, I don't know about everyone else. I think there's a lot of people around the world in different cultures that do a similar thing. I think the English also come out and they do like a gap year and they'll also travel. But, yeah, I think once you've got it in your blood, it never goes. And especially after what's just happened with the pandemic, people are going berserk. I know the Australians just want to get out of Australia. It's like, okay, where can I go? Mm. How much is it? doesn't matter. I'm going. <laughs> It, it really is true. I, I have Australian friends and they've traveled so, so much. Mm. And, uh, you know, whenever you travel places, you, you always seem to find Australians and they're always very friendly and uh, very courteous, um, unlike occasionally uh, Americans. But I, I, my father's from Italy. And so I'm 10 years old. It's, my, it's third grade, uh, the summer, beginning of summer vacation. And my father gives me a suitcase tells me to put my clothes in it proceeds to bring me to the uh, bus station. I'm from the Northeast from New Haven says, 
tells the bus driver to drop me off uh, JFK in New York City in Queens at uh, Terminal 1, gives me a plane ticket and a bus ticket and a picture of my grandmother. And I'm going to meet her in Milan. Mm. Uh, so a 10 year old, 10 year old child, you know, my father would probably be arrested now, but, uh, I got, a, I found my way there. I flew to Milan. I found my grandmother and my uncle and I proceed to spend, you know, every other summer in Italy and, and Southern Switzerland, you know, until college. So I, I found myself kind of immersed into the culture at a young age, only because I have a direct parent who kind of said, go see your relatives, go see your family. So it's a bit unusual tale amongst Americans to kind of go that early. Yeah. But it would have been a good experience. You would have opened your eyes to the world that you would not have known about. Um, yeah, so it, it, I think as a child you're very open to that sort of stuff. So it would have gone. You would have gone. Oh, and then yeah. yeah. And it, if, if they'd said to you, "You're going to see your grandparents," you would have gone, "Great! I know what I'm up for this time. Let me at it." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was very, people asked me if I was scared and I said, no, I was quite excited. I get to go on a plane. I get to go to another country. I, I didn't, I only spoke a little bit of Italian, but then you get immersed into it. And, uh, you know, to this day, I wonder if you'll agree with this, Linda, when people go to Italy, I think it generally works for kind of Spain and France as well. Mm -hmm. I tell them three things. One, when you're looking for some place to eat, ask the police, they don't get paid. The taxi drivers, the maitre d's, they all get paid to push you places. The police will just kind of tell you. Mm. Uh, two, if the menu in the restaurant is in English, it's usually a bad sign. Mm. Uh, and even better if it's up on a chalkboard, that means it's fresh. And then three, when you're going for the wine, get the wine in the craft. The local wine is less expensive and often much better than the bottled wine. Your thoughts? I would agree with all that. And going back to the place... Um, they also like food, so offer them food because I've done that and it, <laughs> and it helped. Um, so they'll tell you where the best places uh, are but yeah. also um, offer them food and that's always a good good way to bridge the gap. Very, very interesting. And uh, generally I find that to be the case, especially with the wine in those kind of countries. But why do you think it is like the kind of the northern countries? Mm. I mean, Italy isn't known. I know we're spending a lot of time on Europe, but just have what I have. Italy is just kind of known to drink wine and maybe some limoncello, France a little bit, and Spain. But when you get up to like Germany, Sweden, and England, they do a lot of heavy drinking, a lot of beer, mm. a lot of uh, you know heavy alcohol. Um, why do you think there's that change? Is it the weather? I think they've got a lot less sunlight. Um, in the winter time, and it's a lot colder up there, so they've got to warm themselves. So I think the alcohol does that, warms them up. Um, and it's a, and I think it's a bit rough, really. I mean, look, I've been up to Scandinavia, and I was there in summertime. It's crazy. You go to bed, it's like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and it's still light. And then they've got like three hours of, of darkness, and then about wow. 3 a.m., it's the sun's back up. But you've got the reverse in winter time. They've got, you know, only a few hours of sunlight and it's darkness the whole time. So I don't know about you, but if I was in the darkness all the time, I think I'd resort to the alcohol too. Um. <laughs> and I think I think it warms them up. I think so as well. Now, now I. Sh 
Ah, I think it's it's due to the weather. That's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting theory. Now Australians are known to part, you know, to take a sip every now and then. Uh, more beer than kind of heavy liquor, though. Am, am I correct about that? Um, well, it depends. The men like the beer. I think the women like the spirits. So if I had to pick anything, I wouldn't pick the beer. I'd pick the spirits. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes on with our culture. We're laid back friendly, as you know, um, and we just like enjoying ourselves. So when we do it, we do it pretty hard. We, you either go or you go at it or you don't go at it at all. And I think that's what happens. But um, but yeah, it's just something you've grown yeah. up with, right? I think in Europe, um, the kids grow up with watered down wine. And so when they get the wine, when they're a teenager, it's nothing unusual to them because yes. they've been drinking, um, a, a, you know, sort of a, a version of it. Um, I think us Australians, we don't do that when we're kids. So when we hit 18, it's like, okay, where's the alcohol? So I think it's a different, it's different. But yeah, we definitely like enjoying ourselves, that's for sure. Yeah, my father used to put a little bit of watered-down wine in my bottle to make me go to sleep. But I think it's similar here in the U.S. where as soon as you're that drinking age, it's a kind of a burst out. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, all of a sudden you really want to kind of take advantage of it. Now, Australians do a lot of travel. I, I've yet to be to go to, you know, Southeast Asia, to Thailand, to South Korea, et cetera. These countries, Japan, I get invites. I would love to go. Mm. I mean, I know you're closer there in proximity. You spend a decent amount of time. You even have, I think one of your blogs was just talking about some Manila, you know, what to do in Manila. I think it, I think it was, but can you talk about those countries a little bit and what you like the best and, and what to avoid? Yeah. Look, Asia's amazing. It's so close to Australia. So that's one good thing for us. We can get to it. Um, and it's quite cheap. There's so much diversity in Asia. Um, You've got like Japan, Korea, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, um, Vietnam. So it really depends, Joe, on what you want to do. So um, a lot of the places are very cheap for us especially because we're in close proximity to Asia. Um, but if you love shopping, um, you'd go to Vietnam. They've got really good, um, good, good quality products there. Um, really? Thailand's really good, probably a little bit cheaper and nasty when it comes to the shopping quality. Um, what else? Malaysia's very nice. So Malaysia's a Muslim country. So that's very interesting. Um, and Singapore, Singapore's really good for the shopping. Um, Japan, Japan's mind-blowing. Um, it's so different. It's not what you would expect. The technology is on another level. It's just beyond anything any of us have currently got in technology um, and very beautiful too. You know, you've got the cherry blossoms and mm. um, so much scenery to see there. Um, but, yeah, look, and Hong Kong and China, um, very nice as well. Um, but, yeah, for me, I love Asia. There's a lot of – and Manila, of, of course. I go to Manila quite a bit for work, so I know Manila well. Um, but that's got really good shopping as well. They have, they've got the city of the mega malls there. So if you love shopping, they've got like two or three buildings connected and that's just everything you could imagine, every brand, worldwide brand you could imagine. And you could spend like a whole day there going from mall to mall. Um, but yeah, there's just, 
it's an amazing destination. I would highly recommend Asia. Um, but it really depends on what you want to do. So, um, And also you've got Bali as well, Indonesia. I forgot to mention that. That's a place that a lot of Australians go to. And a lot of Europeans also go there because of the island atmosphere. Um, that's quite nice as well. Um, but it depends on what you want to do. So for some mm. people, they love going for shopping. So shopping will be their main um, you know, thing that they do. If you want to relax, there's a lot of... Um, say pools with bars so you know the bars are right inside the pool and you can have a drink and relax in the water go surfing whatever you want to do um asia fits the bill but it, yeah it's just it you know depends on what you want to do what sort of holiday you want i heard recently that bali something's going to happen there where if you're not, I guess, same thing with, with Qatar, if you're not married to your to your girlfriend, boyfriend, that uh, something's bad. Can you expand on this? What's going to happen yeah, there? Yeah, so um, they won't, they don't agree to sex outside of marriage. So basically, if you are found doing that and you're not married, uh, then you'll be charged. So yeah, they've put in, a, and because there's a lot of Muslims there in Indonesia, so it's very probably very similar. Um, yeah, you've just got to do your race again. Do your research and your prep before you go, because um, you know if you're caught, I don't know how they'd catch you, but if you're caught, um, they would. You know, you'd be in a lot of trouble. So I think I don't know. Maybe they're trying to clean the place up. I don't know. I haven't been to Bali for a, a while, um, but maybe it's got got a bit. Cheap and nasty over there, and they try to clean the place up. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the current law there now. So, but yeah, I've got some friends that are going over there, so I might actually ask them when they come back um, to give me a bit more intel about what's going on over there. I mean, as a Westerner, it just bo you know boggles the mind. Yeah. I mean, do you have to bring your marriage certificate? I, you know, it's just it's so beyond anything that we do here. Uh, are they going to ask if you're Mister? If we have different last names, uh, it's it's, but you know, it's their culture. It's what they do. We we have to we have to observe. We have no choice. We're visiting. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So you've got to be. Um, that's you know, if I can say anything about traveling, pre prepare before you go, and then you won't be up for any, um, anything that you didn't expect. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Before you asked about, you know, we we're talking about Asia, you mentioned shopping. Uh, two, a couple of my highlights, I, you know, food is one of my favorites, you know, experiencing different foods in those cultures. One of my favorite things to do. And of course, kind of the beaches, uh, you know, I like to be on the beach as well. Knowing that, is there a particular country that you'd recommend? Yeah, I would, I would go to maybe, um, Vietnam, um, or just trying to think, uh, beaches. Uh, I was going to say Bali, but yeah, the shopping's not the best in Bali. Um, yeah, I'd say Vietnam. Vietnam, you could go swimming as well as um, the shopping. Yeah, I'd have to say Vietnam's really, really good for the shopping. Um, other than that, also the Philippines. So you uh, you could also go there, and and that it's got good water and and also the shopping's good. So I'd say those two would be the best. 
Do you often do you set up tour guides and like a, you know tours for people? No, not at the moment. I've got a full time job as well as doing this, so I don't have the time to um, to do that. But I oh, think wow. in the future, yes, absolutely, I'd love to take people around and do tours, show them where all the good spots are. Um, but yeah, that's probably in my future, but not at the moment. Yeah, I've I've had the great chance uh, uh, to talk to some, you know, that set up the tours. They do all the research and they do all this. And, you know, you come along and they have a smaller group. And, um, oh, my my goodness, you'd be great at that. With with your knowledge and your, your books and your blog, you – and you would love it too. That would be, that would be really, really, really cool. Um, and as far as knowing the language when you visit these places, like like in Asia, is is English? Do they? I know, like in Paris, they get kind of a bad rap. But if you just kind of try a little bit, they really appreciate it. Is it similar in Asia? Yeah, just going back to France, they are so lovely there. If you try, they will go out of their way to help you. So I reckon that yes. myth is really non-existent. I don't know whether it was the Australian accent that helped me. Maybe okay. that might have helped. Um, but, but, yeah, in Asia, um, you don't really need to know the language. Most of them speak English. Um, if you try a few words, they always have a, have a mm. bit of a smile and then they, they might give you a, you know, a better discount when you're in the market. Um, but, yeah, I, I think what I try and do is I try and learn at least hello and thank you wherever I go. I might get it wrong in the pronunciation. They'll have a bit of a chuckle and then they'll – yeah, they'll give you a good good deal normally. So I find if you know the language, you get treated I don't think you get treated better, but you just you, you you get you get more out of the trip, I think, if you know the language. So, you know, whether it's French or Italian or Spanish, um, you know, it's also good for you because you can hear about hear them talking and you know what's going on. So, you know, if you comprehend the language, you go, mm. okay. And it helps you in, in situations where, the, where there could be a bit of danger too because you can hear people talking and, you, and you, you've got knowledge about what they're saying. So I find that that's handy. Um, and it's very, been very handy in Italy for me because I understand Italian as well as I'm not fluent but I speak it. So I, I'm listening to their conversations without them knowing. Um, and, and, and it's good because it protects you, I think. It's a good protection to know the language. Mm. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I live in the the northeast of the U.S., just north of New York, and I have you know Greek friends, Polish, Portuguese, uh, you know Puerto Rican, and uh, th- I've been very used to having languages, different languages all around me. And you know, you can just tell when somebody's mother is speaking a different language, and just by inflection, mm. you don't need to understand the words. You could tell the tone and the inflection and whether they're looking at you, mm. you know, you just kind of get used to that sense a little bit of, is it kind? Is it, you know, is it embarrassing? And people just kind of have to put their guards down. But to, the other point that you made on France, I, I, I visited France before Lyon, only a little bit of time in, in Paris, but if you just try a little bit, they'll appreciate it. It's, the, it's this, you know, snobbish wherever that don't even try mm. and just start yelling in their own language. And of course they're going to get frustrated with, but I find, I find them to be, to be quite, quite pleasant. Um, and also, you know, as far as the, the, the food, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. 
the food is is really uh, you know um i just want to you know i know they have to be careful with allergies and things like that but when i go to a new place you know that i've never been before and i just want to try something local and uh you know i just i end up looking around and see what other people are eating and i'll say you know can i have that or that you know just what do you recommend i mean that that's what really fascinates me about asia i mean talk about the when i when i ask people about food they everybody says they go to thailand or vietnam yeah yeah um and i think it's because of the food um they've got really nice food and thailand also very nice mm. food um the one thing, I mean, look, I avoid the street food because it's a, a bit dodgy. You can, you know, end up getting quite sick because you don't know how how fresh that meat is um, that you're eating. But, yeah, the Vietnam, Vietnamese food is gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, if you're into food, shopping and also, you know, swimming and, and relax, relaxing, Vietnam would be your top, I think, um, Thailand's good too. You can actually go to Phuket. There's a place called Phuket in Thailand and th- th- it's very much the beach, water. Um, the shopping is probably not quite as good as Vietnam, but it really, as I said, Joe, it depends on what you're after. If you're not really fussed mm. about the shopping and it's more the water and the sun, then, yeah, probably Thailand. Um, but for an all-rounder, Vietnam's the one. And and funny thing about Vietnam also They've got some coffees and teas that they sell there and they're a bit like, I don't know whether you've heard about the Fijians, how they've got kava. Um, it's a bit, it's sort of almost alcoholic, some of the teas and the, and the coffees. Um, so, yeah, if you want something a bit different that's going to give you a bit of a happy smile, I suppose, <laughs> you can try also the, the, the coffees there as well. They've got a lot of coffee um, houses that you can go to. Very cool. And as far as currency and, uh, you know, spending money there, is, is everything gone digital or like at the marketplaces, they still want to actually exchange cash? So it depends on where you go. So if you go somewhere like Scandinavia, they're almost all credit card. There is absolutely no cash. There's certain places that will take cash, mm. but it, they're really reducing. Asia is very much about cash, especially if you go to the markets. Um, in fact, I would recommend that you go cash there because really? if they take your credit card, you don't know whether it's actually going to be skimmed also because they take it behind somewhere. Um, so my recommendation would oh, be wow. always to take cash in the Asian countries. If you're somewhere like Europe, I think it's half and half. Um, I haven't been to this. Oh, oh, I actually went to Honolulu last year um, and that seems to be half and half still, You either cash or credit. Um, so yeah, it, it just depends on where you're, you're at, but I'd say yeah, if you're going to Asia, it's very much for cash, but you know, you can also do credit card. It's up to you. Um, you know, I think with the cash, you've got to make sure that you spend all the cash mm-hmm. because if you don't spend all the cash that you're then going to be up for some more exchange rates and, um, you know, currency fees. So it's, you know, maybe take a little bit of cash, you know, that you're going to use that and then have the credit card as a backup. Mm. I would think the markets and things like that would be more cash, but the hotels would be digital and credit. Yes. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned Honolulu. 
You mentioned Honolulu. You had a great blog on it on Hawaii. How did you like Hawaii? Yeah, I've been to Hawaii so many times, but I hadn't. I actually had a trip planned when the pandemic hit, and that got cancelled. So I was most disappointed about that. But then, I'll, yeah, I went over there. Um, wow. I've been there. I won't tell you how many times, but I know that place basically like my local shopping centre. Um, and so, yeah, it's always fabulous, Honolulu. Um, I had a hotel that was right near Ala Moana. So I had that empty ham, like the empty suitcase, and I was filling it up with stuff. So um, it was fantastic. Had a great pool. I was sunning myself, having a swim. Yeah, Honolulu um, is very much like a place in Australia called the Gold Coast, except on a bigger scale. It's amazing. Um, Honolulu, yeah. A lot of Australians go there. We just love it, Honolulu. And if you ever go to Honolulu, you're probably going to hear Australian accents there as well because we just love it. You just kind of made an interesting point. You always bring an extra suitcase that's empty to bring back stuff. Yes. Yep. you got to do that. Um, so you, you basically don't have a lot in your suitcase. So if you're going to Honolulu, you need a swim, swimming swimsuit, you need T-shirt and shorts, maybe a pair of thongs um, or flip-flops, as you would call them, um, and maybe a pair of sneakers and, and obviously your underwear and stuff. And that's all you really need. So yes. don't take a lot um, and then just fill it up because, you know, you've only got a certain amount of baggage allowance. So, um, But it's about taking the biggest bag you've got, empty, and it's funny when you go to the airport, they go, oh, you're going shopping, aren't you? Because they can tell because it's so light. So you, you give the game away. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, how about Mexico? Have you been to Mexico? Yeah, I've been to Mexico. Um, I don't know whether you call it Mexico. It's Tijuana. I went to Tijuana. I went to San Diego and then down to Tijuana. Um, ah. Yeah. I've got stories about my Tijuana trip in um, Annex from Abroad. So um, I've got the travel books, but I've also got this other one where I tell, tell a lot about some of the stories and some of the people I've met in my travels. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun day down there, um, I have to say. Um, but, yeah, I would like to see a lot more of Mexico because that sort of gave me a bit of a, a taster on Mexico. But um, yeah. Can you share a story about Tijuana that kind of encapsulates that uh, city, that experience? Um, well, have there been? It's all I can tell you about is there was tequila involved, uh, a, a nightclub in the daytime, Uh-oh. and a bit of shopping. <laughs> you could probably fill in the blanks. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, the tequila there is wonderful. The local tequila is, uh, yeah, absolutely wonderful. And how about the Caribbean? Um, You know, I I know like the U.S. Virgin Islands have a lot of great shopping, a lot of great beaches. Haven't been to the the Caribbean. Um, I've been down to Miami, um, which was, I suppose you're heading down that way, aren't you? Um, but yeah, I haven't been to the Caribbean, so that that is on my bucket list. I need to yes. get over there um, at one point. But yeah, I've heard that the islands are beautiful. Um, 
and someone that I, I know has been to um, Puerto Rico and she said that that was gorgeous as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't, haven't, haven't been down there, but would love to go. Yeah, you have a great story where you're there in Miami and South Beach and a hurricane was coming. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd done my prep but hadn't done my prep as well as I thought. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was an interesting, uh, in, in, interesting situation. But I, I'm still here. I'm still alive. So that I live to tell the tale. But, um, but yeah, I think... When you get into circumstances that you don't expect, Joe, I think you really learn a lot about yourself um, and learn to survive, I think. So mm. travel travel is great, but if there's things happen too, things that you don't expect. So you've got to be able to um, – you've got to have that resilience, I think, and, and resources in yourself to be able to cope with that. So that's part of travel. There's the good and the bad. But you wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Right. How about cruising? Do you recommend cruising? Cruising. Cruising at the moment's got a bit of a bad name because of COVID, because of um, being in an enclosed, you know, spot with you know a lot of people. I think until we get that under control, well, until that calms down a bit, I. I mean, look, everyone's got their own options, I suppose, when it comes to travel. Some people, all they do is cruising and, you know, that's great. I myself wouldn't do it. I don't do much of it because I, I like the, the exploring um, and doing sort of more of my own thing there. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say you would maybe just need to be really careful, you know, um, while we've still got that around. Um, but, yeah, look, each to their own. I mean, I've been on cruises um, and they're great. You don't need to really worry about anything. Everything's paid for. Um, the only thing is you've got a lot of people around you and the same people, so you're not, not meeting new people unless you, you know, um, get off somewhere and then do a bit of investigating. But, yeah, I mean, each to their own, really. Yeah, you mentioned that you know there's good and bad with with traveling. I think with the cruising, it kind of uh, lowers some of those. Well, you can still certainly have bad experiences, but a lot of the you know uh, other things can kind of be controlled by that. I've done a lot of cruises with my kids and with the family. What, what appeals to me more now is kind of the smaller river cruises in Europe. I hear those are fantastic. Yeah, they're good. So there's some in Germany that you can actually go on. Um, they take you from Germany through to Austria. And so I think if you're yeah. doing those sorts of cruises, because they're, they're more internal within Europe, I think they're good. If you're going from, say, Australia to the Pacific and maybe to South America mm. and, I mean, look, you can do them too, but it's just, I think, until the health situation calms down a bit, I think it's sort of people are not taking them until, you know, they're looking at other options. Yeah, very, very true. It's 
the the pandemic well i think the the internet had has turned traveling upside down world wide web in that it just kind of pulled out travel agents right we, you're able to work and then the other big factor of course now is covid two major kind of uh, initiatives really affected travel. I mean, those are two major things that has really turned it around. Your thoughts? Yeah, so it annihilated everything. So the, in Australia, the borders closed. So no one was going anywhere. And I think the borders closed pretty much mm-hmm. in the world. So yeah, so travel agents were out of a job. Anyone in the airlines, out of a job. There was other industries also that were affected, you know, like education because you're getting international wow. tourists coming, international um Students coming in, that all closed. So, yeah, a lot of that was all, all closed down um, as it affected other industries in the world. Uh, but I think what's happening now, um, well, the problem that the airlines got at the moment is all those aircraft were asleep for so long. So they're out in the, the deserts not being used and they didn't expect mm. the travel demand to take off so quickly. So they expected people to travel, but they thought they would have time to actually wake those planes up. And what happens is you've actually got to do a lot of maintenance on the planes to actually get them back into service. And also because of, you know, what happened, there was the staffing was down as well. So the, tra- the travel industry is really rejoicing now, but they're struggling also because they're trying to get back to normal. Um, and But they, I don't think they mm. expected especially if I, I can talk about Australia, we've gone berserk when it comes to travel. Like people are going, right, I'm going here, here and here and I'm going tomorrow. Um, but, you know, there's so much demand, there's not the seats. So the, the flights are going out full, which is great for the airlines and for the travel agents and the travel industry. Um, but it means the costs are higher at the moment because they can command higher prices because the demand is just out of, like through the roof. It is incredible how fast it came back. Yes. Really, really incredible. So, Linda, on the podcast, we talk. We talk about. Uh, I always kind of bring up discipline. I used to. I gained a lot of weight when I started my business. Uh, uh, the doctor said you're not going to see your daughter graduate, and you know, people ask me how I lost the weight. I always say discipline. I wonder how discipline plays a role in your life and in travel, in your view. So, discipline's really important. So, for me. You know, obviously, I've got the side hustle and my full-time job. I've got to be very disciplined with my time because time is precious um, outside of my work. And what do I mm. put my energy into, right, that's going to have the most effect? Um, so for me, I'm very much organised. I know my, what I'm doing with my time. Um, I'm very much focused on that. Things can change, obviously, and you can be dynamic around that. Discipline's so important when you're travelling because – Especially if you say you're on a tour with people, if you don't have that discipline, you're not going to be ready for when the bus takes take, like takes off, or when the flight takes off. So I think you've got to have mm. that discipline. You know, if the flight's taking off at 10 a.m., you've got to be out of that airport at 7 a.m. You've got no discipline, and you're still still asleep at 6:30. Well, you ain't going to get on that flight. <laughs> um, so discipline's really important. I think. Um, discipline in life. I think if you're an achiever and you achieve things, you've got to have that discipline to to get you to where you need to be to succeed. So 
for me, discipline is very much, you can learn discipline, but sometimes I think you're born with it as well. Um, it can be, you know, both, but it's very much, you've got that discipline and that drive to do something, you'll do it. So you want to achieve, say, a degree, you've got to have that discipline to, to actually do each step of the way to get that degree. You know, it might be losing weight. You've got to discipline yourself to actually eating right, exercising and doing the right thing for your body physically and mentally, right? So discipline's so important, I think, in every respect, in every part of life. doesn't matter if you haven't got discipline, that's okay too. <laughs> but it's better to have discipline, in my opinion, because it, you, you just achieve more, I think, in life and you get more out of life, I would say. Yeah, that's really well said, Linda. And the discipline of doing your research before going abroad. We mentioned some kind of traps with, you know, Ramadan and, you know, marriage certificates and things like that. Just know, just do, just do the work. Be disciplined about learning where you're going to and what some of the customs are and some of the society that works. Uh, before you go, you'll save you, yourself and everybody uh, a lot of headaches. Yes, absolutely. I would agree, Joe. Linda King, what motivates you? What motivates me? Gosh, um, I'm very much an achiever, so I like to achieve. I'm driven by that. Um, I like helping people actually as well, um, which has been throughout my career. I've, I've had mm. been in leadership and helped others. Um, but now I think um, helping others by my website and my blog and, and my books I like sharing the knowledge um, because I have a great life traveling and I want that to be for everyone else. Um, what else motivates me? I think to be happy, I, I like, I, I want my life to be happy and, and fruitful and um, exciting, I suppose, and interesting. So that motivates me, um, I think. But travel absolutely motivates me. So for me, travel is such such an amazing education. It gives you so much. Um, it makes you grateful for what you've got. You see so many other things that where people haven't got as much. And I think, yeah, it's just wonderful. I think everyone should do it. Even if it's just one trip overseas, people should do it because it would change their whole perspective on life and the gratitude that they would have um, they, they wouldn't complain about so much. Like, you know, obviously when you live somewhere, people complain and go, I don't like this, this and this. Mm. I think if you travel, you, you tend to go, okay, well, what am I complaining about? Because actually my life is pretty good compared to others. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably all the things that motivate me, I would say. Yeah, well said, Linda. You know, I... I remember when I used to go to Italy as a child and I would, I would come back to the States and, you know, people would complain about things. And I say, well, you know, they just do it different over there. Not that it's better, mm -hmm. not that it's worse, not that we're better or worse here. They just do it different. People do live very differently and still live very happy lives. You know, so you just, you said it best when you said, you know, travel is education. It's just a wonderful wonderful education to see how others live and to, you know, be part of it. And, uh, 
it's it's just wonder, wonderful and uh I recommend it uh for everyone. How do you measure success? Success. I think with success um it's about the feedback you get. So when I say write a blog or I'm writing a book that the feedback that I get tells me I'm on the right track and that I'm succeeding. So I you know often get emails, mm. I also get messages on my website. And I think to myself, well, if I'm getting that, that feedback, good feedback, you can get bad and good feedback, obviously, but the good feedback sort of goes, well, you know what, I'm on the right track. And they also, people also give you ideas and they go, you know, I really love that blog post. Can you do more of these? So I think people give you, I mean, mm. in yourself, you know whether you succeed because you, you're proud of it, right? You're proud of what you've produced or you're proud of what you've done. Um, you can get other people validating, but I think it's both ways. So it's what you know in yourself that you've six, you know, you've had a goal and you've got gone and done the goal and succeeded, and also by the feedback you get from people. So you know whether it be reviews or it's emails or feedback, but I think it's measured both ways, internally and externally. Yeah, getting feedback, uh, positive feedback is is so important. And, you know, there's going to be trolls out there. I don't need to tell you. And, you know, you have to kind of ignore them. But you do such a great job. Uh, your blogs are really, really – you could tell that you have a passion for it. And, look, here's what I've learned. Maybe you can use it too. And, and your books are so good. You do such a, a great job. I, uh, I look forward to um, – when you eventually have tours and uh, you go on with these people and you really share your, your, your love, your absolute love for travel and, and, and culture. Linda King, thank you so much for your time today. What an absolute pleasure. I was so excited when you said you were going to do this. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah, number of ways. And thanks, Joe, for having me also. Um, so I've got my website. So it's thesmarttravelista.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and TikTok. Um, so you can get me on any of those. I'm mainly probably on Twitter mostly and Instagram. Um, but, yeah, you can find me under the under at the Smart Travelista and on Twitter, the underscore Travelista. So um, happy for a chat, happy to speak with anyone. Um, and, yeah, if you want any travel tips, you know where to find me. Absolutely. It's a great website, Travelista, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-S-T-A, -E just like it sounds. We'll put them all in the show notes as well. Like she said, web, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, even Pinterest. Uh, I, I saw you had some things as well. Uh, Linda King, thank you so much. I, I look forward maybe one day having a cup of coffee, meeting face-to-face -face and traveling and meeting somewhere between us somewhere. That, that would be absolutely wonderful. Yep, I look forward to it, Joe. All the best. Thank you so much, Linda. You, all the best. You be well. I'll talk soon. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
podcast information. The video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kinds of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pin's Discipline Conversation.